Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. Welcome to Schooled with a Professor. And I know this is a topic that we keep getting into because we have great resources and being able to do it and trying to figure things out because officiating in the National Football League, and listen, I am a big supporter of uh, the officials. I think they do a great job uh, most times, but I think right now the situation is bad because uh, the inconsistencies, the problems on the field, uh, a lot of it just seems to be very confusing and game in and game out. It's hard to figure out which way it's going to go. But to help figure it out here on School with the Professor is Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com. And Kevin, I don't know. Uh, to me, things are getting worse now on officiating instead of getting better. Would you agree? Yeah. I, the, the hard part in covering this part of football is always knowing how to separate instances where we just have, you know, a, an unfortunate run of high profile calls that are controversial or just wrong. And yeah. That on one side, and on the other side, knowing and understanding when those situations mean that we have a larger problem. And so I always rely on the people who uh, have the the most insight, and those are the officials and the former officials themselves. And when you talk to John Perry, who's the the officiating analyst at ESPN and was a referee for two decades beforehand, he says that when he watches the games, he sees more mistakes and more bad technique and fundamentals from the officiating group than he has seen in a while. So I would certainly uh, uh, defer to him on that. And and if that's what he thinks, then I think that's what we all should think. What What's what's the reason from what John's saying and what other people are saying and what you're seeing? I think that most people feel like it's a, um, it's a snowball effect of a lot of different things that have been going on for a while. That um, sort of where it has been exacerbated by two things. One, uh, a run on retirement by some of the best referees in the NFL, John Perry being one of them. Uh, I think seven in the past two years. Uh, some of them were kind of getting old and it was time for them to retire just naturally, but a lot of them have left for TV and other reasons. And you add that to the, um, to the departures of Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, and you realize that there's been four people in charge of the officiating department in this decade. And so that's a lot of turnover and a lot of uh, consistency. We always talk about with teams having the same coach and the same quarterback and the same offense coordinator, how important that continuity is. Haven't seen that and gotten that from the officials, uh, officiating department in the past decade in the NFL. And the other thing is that the, the, this addition of, uh, of reviewing pass interference and replay while a lot of people, myself included, have been advocating it for a while, has just been executed extraordinarily um, poorly. Uh, the, the officiating department was not ready for this. Uh, they have basically punted on executing it in a way that makes sense. Uh, and even so, even though they're not overturning almost anything, it has still affected the officials on the field who now are viewing pass interference with a, in a different way, knowing that, that a possibility of review is coming up. Yeah, which, again, I do you get the feel? Because I, I, I think when we were both were at the owners' meeting, uh, I don't know if we both agreed on it, but I said this is a mistake. The, I, this is yeah. a one-year experiment ended after one year, and I think it's turned out to be worse than I think people expected. <laughs> yeah, uh, the question will be, to what will they attribute that to? Will they say at the end of the year that this is just something that, that shouldn't have been tried? We tried it. We found out that it fundamentally doesn't work and there's no way to make it work. 
or will they say we didn't do it right or the right people weren't in place to do it right and we need to to uh, find a way to fix the way the, the things that went wrong and give it another go and so i think depending who you talk to it's a 50-50 chance of whether they just end it after a year or they say well you know technology is only going to be more involved in sports as we move forward to to abandon it now would be short-sighted so i don't know honestly what it's um, certainly there's many people who want to do away with it but there's also people who want to find a way to have a security net for officiating and including things like subjective calls and, and other types of penalties and so those people i don't think will give up on it easily just because it wasn't executed very well this year. My big thing is, is there just seems to be no consistency on a lot of the different calls. And unfortunately, yeah. there's more calls uh, because, you know, some, you get some head hits that are looking like uh, they shouldn't be called. Uh, obviously, it's a safety thing. You know, that thing has not been as bad as it was at the beginning of last year. Then when you see the, uh, you know, the pass interference, that's so inconsistent. The holding, even though it's cleaned up a little bit, there's still some inconsistency consistencies in that and week in and week out you just don't know what the emphasis is going to be yeah and and they sort of exacerbate that because i think we all can agree that especially in the case of subjective calls this is the way it's been in football since the beginning of officiating and will always be there will always be some degree of subjectivity in those kind of calls and one crew might call holding for a certain technique and others might not always do that, but they've sort of exacerbated it by adding uh, other uh, level, uh, other opportunities for inconsistency. The helmet rule you mentioned is one of them. That is a very hard penalty to officiate. Uh, I know why they put it in because you can hurt yourself if you lower your head and initiate contact. But the other part of that is how do you officiate that out uh, effectively has not really been accomplished yet and 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 as we got as we talked earlier the the idea of overturning uh, or changing calls on pass interference through re- replay has introduced another level of inconsistency in terms of the standard for what is pass interference and isn't when when there's a when there's a play that most officials would call pass interference for and that's reviewed and you don't overturn it and make it be pass interference through replay by putting the flag on the field, then you've created another standard, another opportunity for inconsistency. So they've sort of, there's always going to be some inconsistency. I think we can always agree with that, but they've actually exacerbated it by adding new chances to, to, to do it. My big concern overall, league-wide, and this is some things that I'm hearing, is that uh, you know, as much as it's been with the seven turnovers and referees, you know, it's getting to the point now where even though there's a new collective bargaining agreement, a five-year agreement extension, that uh, still there may be more referees and more officials that want to get out of the sport because it's like, okay, I'm tired of this criticism. Is it really worth it? Yes, and that's that's. Uh, there's two points there. One, that's a uh, a thing that's happening not just in the NFL or in the NBA or Major League Baseball. It's happening at all levels of, of sports, all the way down to youth sports, because it's a very thankless job. Uh, everyone is going to criticize you. No one's going to praise you for making a good call, but they're definitely going to let you know when they think you made a bad call. And uh, and so you have a lot less people getting into it on the, on the, on, in the grassroots level, and so a lot less people uh, over time are going to be rising up through the ranks to get – 
to the, to the professional level, and so that will reduce the uh, the pool basically for uh, at the NFL and NBA and Major League Baseball level for the officials that they need to administrate, and uh, and so that's and so that's a, a real problem. And the other thing is that the CBA, uh, as you mentioned, uh, is going to give allows a one time chance to get I think uh, severance and a half for people who retire when they've had at least 20 years experience so it's expect i don't think there's going to be a a flood of people leaving but my understanding is uh between 10 and 20 people will probably take the nfl up on that one-time offer and retire um and that will leave another uh, you know that will leave more spaces to fill than most years when the nfl does it and as we just said the pool is is shrinking over time and so that's uh, it might be a good, healthy thing to 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 give some people who are nearing uh, retirement age a little extra push. But are we sure that the people they hire behind them will be any better? No, and that's the thing. In fact, I'm hearing it's going to be more the 20 than the 10. And if it's going to be the 20, think right. about the turnover because now you're talking about almost uh, what 17, 18 percent. And it's like, how yeah. do you? You're right. And the pool in college is going down. The pool in high school is going down. You know, it's like, where are the replacements? In fact, I'll ask you this: uh, how how long does it take? just a good official, just to have enough experience to qualify to get into the NFL? And at what age? Well, I'll tell you. Here's how I'll answer that. Um, the John Perry, who was, who's been, uh, we mentioned earlier, he's been in, he was in the NFL for about two decades. He had been in the Big Ten before that. I think he had been officiating at some level for about 15 to 18 years before he joined the NFL uh, as like a side judge out of the Big Ten. And he said it took him, even after 18 or so years of practice, it took him probably three to five years before he thought he was a good NFL official. And so now, if you look at the people who have been hired in the past few years, a few of them are ex-players. I'm sure they all have great potential, but a lot of them are being hired after five or six years total experience. So like a third of the experience that people uh, of John Perry's era were uh, had before they got there. So you're having uh, the short version is you're having a, already having a lot of people learning on the job at the NFL level, which, as you know, is not ideal. And so I don't think they have a minimum age or ma- a minimum age or a minimum level of experience to get hired. And I don't think they can because the, there's just not a lot of people um, who have the the, uh, the the level of experience that that that, that they might want. Uh, that's going to even further reduce your pool. Yeah, which is uh, amazing. Uh, the one, yeah, because I, I just don't know how they're going to be able to piece that all together that quickly. Because I mean, just see how it is with the uh, you know seven new uh, referees over the last couple of years. I mean, you know, some of those guys. I mean, it's like do they have total control? What, what when you look at some of the other penalties that seem to be a problem? Which which are they? Um. Well, the interesting thing is, uh, it, and this popped up um, the other night when, in the or the other after, or Sunday afternoon when Carolina and Green Bay were playing, and that that really bad uh, roughing the passer uh, penalty was called uh, against the Panthers and Gerald McCoy on Aaron Rodgers. And so I looked up the numbers, and you know, I don't know if you know, remember last year uh, there was that huge uh, surge in the first couple of weeks of, of roughing the passer before it finally tailed off. This year, there's been like 20 more uh, roughing the passer penalties than there were uh, than there were last year at this time. So there's actually more of those being called. I don't know if it's gotten as much attention, but there's more of those being called. And the other thing that's caught my attention um, 
aside from offensive holding, which you mentioned earlier, is that, and maybe this is a byproduct of the review system that was not intended, but offensive pass interference is way up compared to last year at this time. And so a few of those have been, um, a few of those have been created on review. There was one in particular, uh, the Packers Vikings second week of the season where Dalvin cook was called for blocking downfield uh, and wiped out a touchdown by the Vikings uh, on a red zone play. But there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot more offensive pass interference being called. And I don't know if I agree with all of them. You know, it used to be that you really had to push hard at the end of the route to create separation to get it. But now you're seeing guys get it just when they kind of swipe a hand away. Um, And so that's, that's been interesting as well. We talk about how the NFL stacks the rules in favor of offenses, but that's one case where they've actually made it harder to move the ball. Uh, you know, there's uh, every offensive pass interference penalty is 10 yards, and that doesn't include uh, how many yards you lose when you had gained on, on the play had the penalty not occurred. And so that's been one that's caught my eye as well. You know, maybe that's what, uh, and, and this is just me thinking about this now, maybe that's what the problem is, is that, you know, they've done too much on two of the biggest penalties you can have. Because, you know, holding, if you get a holding penalty, you know, for the most part, that kills a drive. You're, you're yeah. pretty much going to be in a position where if it's going to be a three and out or six and out or whatever it's going to be and pass interference being, you know, the longest penalty, because, again, it could be, you know, 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, these these are two of the biggest penalties in the world and uh, in, the, in the league. And all of a sudden now there's so much more scrutiny and inconsistency. I mean, I think it ruins the game. It, it definitely hurts the flow. I think um, I think. The uh, time of game is maybe within a minute or so of where it was last year and in previous years. But, but the really frustrating thing on, on that, you know, the two frustrating things are, one, when you see a really good offensive play and then immediately you see a flag. And whether you're a fan of the team or not, you hate to see these really uh, well-done uh, plays get wiped out because somebody was um, you know, holding on the backside that had nothing to do with the play. Um, and uh, and the other thing is special teams. I mean, I you know this has been a case for a while, but it's hard. It, there are so many times when a nice return gets pulled back or a team gets pushed back to their two yard line after a punt return because there was a block. And so one thing that's been interesting and uh, that I've taken a look at a few things of what the XFL is planning. And one of the things that they're looking at with because they really want to, to accelerate the game flow of, uh, the, the flow of their game is they're going to really ask their officials to only call penalties that affect the outcome of the play. And so if there's a, if there's a defensive hold um, on a receiver who's on the backside and the quarterback was looking at the other way the whole time, they don't want that flag called. Um, and I know that that is a slippery slope because you have a penalty taking place, but there's no flag. But in the end, you know, it's an entertainment business. It's, you know, it's not uh, life and death. And you want you don't want plays good football being interrupted or wiped out because of penalties that didn't really affect how the play went out in the first place. So I'll be interested to see if the XFL can pull that off. It's not easy, but it's a really interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, you're right because again, if like if it's not involved with the play, why call it? It's like okay, so uh, if you're holding on the other side of the field and the pass goes on the other side, I guess you know it's if you see the initial play and it causes that, but uh, you know I don't know if you can legislate that. Uh, how much scrutiny right now does the league office have for the mistakes? 
Um, the, 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 I think the NFL has, has been pretty patient because this has been a, a rough week, a rough season with, with those, with, with the attention the officiating has gotten and, and the, and the nature of, of it. I mean, it's been deserved. This is not people piling on because it's just fun to pile on officiating. There's been some self-inflicted, really serious things going on. But at last check, um, you know, at the, at the fall meeting, you know, Rich McKay said, uh, we're going to just look at all this at the end of the season. We're not going to draw any conclusions. Um, you know, Roger Goodell basically said what he always says about officiating is that mistakes are part of sports and we just have to deal with it. But I think, and you probably heard this too, I think, you know, there's, there's going to be some changes, I think, to the officiating department. That's already on the record. The new, the new CBA um, is requires them to hire a new, a new officiating vice president for training. Um, so there's at least going to be one more executive hired uh, to help the situation out. And we'll see what else uh, happens as well. You know, Ultimately, Al Riveron is responsible for what happens in the officiating department. Is everything that's happened his fault? Of course not. Uh, would it be the first time that somebody has moved out of his job for things that aren't totally his fault, not at all. And so I don't know that that's going to happen, but I think it's a fair thing. You know, we would, if this was a team, we'd certainly be talking about the future of the coach um, or the quarterback or the general manager. And so I think it's only fair to wonder when, when the dust settles and when the NFL sees the Super Bowl is over, how will the NFL respond to what we've seen? And, and will Al Riveron be part of that review, of course? Oh, yeah. No question about it. Uh, what do you see that can be done for the final uh, several weeks here to try to make things better? Or do you just have to gut through it and suffer through it? I think they, they're, they've kind of put themselves in a box. You know, if they suddenly start uh, changing pass interference calls, for example, that should be changed, then you say, well, wait a minute, why weren't you doing this the first half of the season? And the games that were impacted by those decisions, those teams, you know, now – have an advantage or a disadvantage compared to, to what's happening now. Uh, but then in the end, you know, if they continue to, but also on the other hand, if they continue to not re- overturn things that, that should be, um, then, it, then they just keep, you know, you end up having a, 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 a team, a, a game with playoff implications or a playoff game itself impacted by refusal the rule change that they all, you know, spend so much time in the offseason working on. So they're in a little bit of a box there. Um, uh, in terms of the other things like consistency and, and points of emphasis, those are things that are kind of already in motion. So I think in a lot, in a lot of ways, the NFL just kind of has to keep their head down and hope that nothing, <laughs> nothing too um, uh, controversial happens the rest of the way. But uh, that's just a hope. I don't think they can impact that too much. No. Well, uh, read uh, Kevin Siebert at ESPN.com because he'll keep you up to date on where it's all heading and where it's been and where it's going to go. Kevin, thanks for joining us on Schooled with a Professor. Thanks for having me, John. Appreciate it. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.